What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of A Wolf in Gates Clothing, hosted by yours truly, Wolfson. And with me, I got another special guest in the building. He's a very great friend of mine from all the way from Iceland. You guys have seen him on the Lone Wolf Podcast interviews. He is a very successful film filmmaker, writer, actor. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can add to top of it. Of course, he is known as the Vanguard Champion of Iceland. Please say hello to Ali. Wow, what an introduction. What an introduction. I need to hype people out. And that, yeah. that's that's my role as the hype man. We we hype people out. Yeah. <laughs> so how you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm doing just fine. I mean, I woke up five minutes ago, but I'm doing just fine. We're we're all in the same boat. <laughs> but yeah. so, but you you told me that that you you're now working on the knife shits, and now you're waking up at this time. Like, what time is over there in Iceland? It's right now. It's about three o'clock in the evening. Holy. Rob, I wasn't. You weren't kidding around when you actually went sleeping all day and night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I work like twelve-hour night shifts, like from eight to eight. So yeah. I mostly sleep through the day, but then I get a few days off, and then I go work like more day shifts, twelve hours, and then I get a few days off. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. That's good. That's good. So let me ask you, like. In the in the in the time that you're working in the knife sheds, like how many days off do you have during the week that you can actually do all a bunch of other stuff that you want? It just depends on how much I work. Like we have this thing, we have this system called five five four, which is like uh, you work five mm-hmm. shifts and then you get five days off, and then you work another five shifts, you get five days off, and then it goes to four, and then you get four days off, and then mm-hmm. it it rotates back to five. It just 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 to keep a, a simple structure to the whole thing. Oh well, that sounds good. Does that actually give you enough time to to do all your all your stuff that you're passionate about, like the filmmaking and writing and whatnot? Yeah, I also tend to use uh, the time I have on night shifts also to write and do other stuff like that because I, I'm mostly sitting in front of a screen, so right. that just gives me enough time to do a lot of things. And also on my days off, I like to spend time with uh, my girlfriend and then you know meet up with the uh, with a card group and just it's it's really nice to have. Just a few days off when you when you've been working a lot of shifts. So right. Instead of just having the weekend off or something, I I do get a lot of days off. So, so that's pretty nice. That's pretty. That's pretty comfortable. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. I mean, you spend most of your day just sleeping and then resting and then just have a few hours to yourself before you go to work. And then afterwards, you get like five days off on a roll. Or is it on a roll or is it like a few like you miss? Yeah, a it's. It's in a row. Like oh, if okay. I work five days in a row, I get I get five days off. Damn, but it's not that bad then. And then you take advantage of uh, doing all your stuff that you're writing right now. What is the like the latest thing that you're writing so far? Uh, currently, well, what I'm currently writing now is just trying to figure out some other projects. Like uh, I wrote a movie uh, a few years back, and that's going into production. So Woo! that's pretty good. Hopefully, we start shooting it next year, hopefully. Um, but in the meanwhile, I'm currently just trying to write a lot of things because, mm-hmm. you know, the brain doesn't fucking stop. <laughs> and, I, and I just keep trying to focus on one idea one idea at a time. But I, I always have a lot of ideas. Um, what I 
The last thing I wrote was this uh, was this outline for a series. It was a psychological thriller about this woman who's finishing a psychology degree and she's doing this study on an old uh, foster home that burned down and uh, and there's a serial killer serial killer on the on the loose and it, mm. it connects so so that was pretty fun well i don't need to, i don't need you to tell me more about it i want to i want to see that thing yeah well <laughs> yeah, i'll have to finish writing the thing and then i'll then i'll submit it all right, you let me know, and yeah, and please yeah. continue to send me more more videos, man. Because the video that you sent me with you and your buddies, uh, that I I have to tell everybody, like, yo, you guys have to see this. This is like the yeah. the the funniest video I've ever seen, and it was made by my friend, and he like I loved it. Like I felt like, oh my god, if this was like in a way better production with like some big studio, this shit would have been the hit greatest hits of all. <laughs> Uh, thanks, man. It was it was a lot of fun to to be in. Uh, like, uh, uh, yeah, it was all, it was a lot of fun to act in because I I don't do a whole lot of acting mm-hmm. anymore. So, but it was a lot of fun to be in that in that short film. I was asked by this kid called uh, Patrick or Patrick, uh, mm-hmm. who had been who had been a fan of the uh, podcast I do in Iceland. Oh, and so I met him when I was doing i met him when i was doing this one other short film uh, which you know pulled me out of acting retirement and uh, <laughs> that was a there was a kid from my home hometown who was making his own short film and he and he asked if i wanted to be in it and i, I just said sure because you know you he was in one of my short films a few years back so i was mm. just like okay i'll be in his uh, and then patrick sent me the the script for the other short film and he asked. He had me in mind for a for this specific role, and I just read the script, and I I, I liked it, and uh, and I really liked the uh, character he had designed for me. This just this just stoic, <laughs> the stoic guy who seems to be the only one in this universe who's like a professional. Yeah. And nobody's taking like, him you know, seriously. Yeah, be, that, that was the take. At least I had because. If you watch the the short film, because we play these two assassins, uh, you can just tell by the body language which one is the more professional. Because uh, my my co star he plays it plays his character like this, like really really off the wall, just loosey goosey, deranged person. And when whenever he's holding a gun, he just does it like with one arm, and he and he's he doesn't have his shoulders locked. But when you but contrast that to me and. I, I always have like both arms on the trigger and just shoulders locked. And I, I just decided to put, put stuff like that in there because my character doesn't say a lot. So I was just right. like, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to really use my face and my, <laughs> my body language for this one, which, which was a lot of fun. No, I, I fairly enjoy it. And I told you like all the stuff that I was telling you, like, like, and, and me watching it back again, remembering, like, dude, this, like, I feel like this is something that comes out of uh, uh, the movie, The Losers, uh, The Red, um, a Quint- uh, and uh, Pulp Fiction. It's another one yeah. that, I, that had to come out of my head because, it's like, if, like, in a sense, you, you play almost a similar to the Samuel Jackson character where he's always the serious motherfucker that is, like, needs to get shit done. And the other character, John Travolta's character, was a little bit more off the wall in, in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and and they have that comedic tone. They it shows the the serious tones, and then at the same time hits with the comedic tone that you're like, man, you guys just got it perfectly balanced all around there. It was actually pretty fun, and I'm and I'm happy that I was able to experience that. You know, you showed me that video for the first time. I was just like, bro, this is amazing. We need more movies like this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just it's also a really unusual film for. You know, Icelandic short film standards because of the because of the tone and just you know people in Iceland just never use guns, so you mm. you never see a you rarely see guns in an Icelandic movie unless it's like a unless it's like a film about drugs or cops or something. But so a movie about two assassins in Iceland was something like that's a rather foreign concept, but you know if anything if done well works. So it works. That's that's actually very interesting. I've never heard that. So in Iceland per se, like if if it's not like like drugs or something that you know there has to be guns, like they will never use that concept of having wearing weapons on a movie. No, uh, just guns in Icelandic films are pretty much non-existent. There there, there were these two films made in Iceland. Uh, I think they were called. Uh, uh, what, what the fuck were they called? I don't remember what they were called, but there were these two films about corrupt cops, mm-hmm. which is also like, which is also like uh, a weird concept for Iceland. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so that had a lot of guns and maybe films about hunting. Like the, there were these two comedy films about these, uh, a group of friends that go like on a fishing trip, but they also go hunting or something. So, and, you know, people have guns in Iceland, but you never hear of, like, there's a lot of gun control here. And so oh. I, 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 also remember, I also remember this one time, uh, I wrote this script once uh, for a short film we wound up shooting. And in the, in the first draft of that film, mm-hmm. the character held, uh, the bad guy held the other characters at gunpoint. But when I sent the script to an actor friend of mine who I wanted to play the role of the villain. Right. He asked me to change the weapon because he said like, like he said like the, him having them at gunpoint just feels too like, just feels too like uh, American. Wow. So, really? Yeah. So we, we changed the, we changed the weapon to a hammer, which yeah. just wound up, it, it actually wound up being better. Uh-huh. Because there's a because there's a scene where he asks where someone is trying to call one of the people he's holding at gun at, at gunpoint, <laughs> yeah. and he want and he just smashes the phone with the hammer, which we never w- could have done if he had had a gun. That's really interesting. That's actually pretty interesting because I feel like that gives you yeah, a like- a whole lot of room or possibilities of creativeness to do to do certain movies or TV shows however you want to put it um won't be related to ha- having the use of guns now you think it's because like for us Americans it's much more appealing it's like ah oh, guns yeah I like it versus like if not having a gun it'll be much more appealing to everyone else I think I think so uh, I just think the the concept of people running around with guns in our films is just I think it's just too much of a foreign concept to us because we mm. we rarely we rarely see people with guns in Iceland unless you know they're going hunting or something. I I mean uh, even our even our police don't don't have guns. Wow, what what is it like in Iceland over overall? Like the whole concept of having a gun is like 
like, like, I don't know. I don't know how to approach that. Like, that's actually pretty interesting. And I didn't, I didn't, I never knew, like, this is, this is how, this is how satire has become for me here in the States where everybody must have a gun or not. You know, it's like, I never actually thought about any other country outside of it that might say, ah, we don't really rely guns. We just smack people with a hammer or a stick and then call it a day. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll take that approach. At least the guy is alive, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's it's something that also I, I didn't even consider until like I started making short films and stuff in Iceland. Mm-hmm. So I, I just realized, like, yeah, we we rarely see guns in our films, and but not but you know there are also there are guns in Iceland, but they're mostly just used for hunting. Yeah, for hunting purposes. It's not for you know defending yourself like it is here in the states or in North America overall that they. Everybody has a gun because oh, safety purposes, not for yeah, yeah, yeah. for hunting. You know that's not yeah, true. it's a whole process. Yeah, it's yeah. a whole process. Wow, I kudos. I I I support Iceland and all this, man. I would I I would rather live in a in in a state of Iceland where like the only time you'll use guns is only when you're hunting, not for anything else. It's like I'd rather live in a, in a world like that. Than what we're currently facing on an everyday basis yeah. here. Yeah, and also there are some, just some people who just collect them. Uh, there are some people that like have a gun collection, but they never even fired off one. Oh so. wow. wow! Yeah, that's that's actually pretty good, man. That I like, I like, I like that concept. But um, yeah, I got, I got, I got myself way too political on this part. <laughs> I just, yeah. find, I just find it very interesting. That's all. Um, because like, in, yeah. in some ways, it's like that's actually pretty cool that you can make a nice, decent movie or or TV show, whichever how you want it, without having the use of certain weapons out of it, and makes. I feel like it, it just brings out more creativity out of you than yeah, just like call it a day and just slap with a weapon and that's it. That's where we're going to be using a gun. There. Bang. Done. Yeah. That's just finding yeah. like it's very but creative. I, yeah, it is. But I also just like this kind of, this conversation pretty much had to come up if we were going to be <laughs> discussing the, the film I did because just, I, I just remember thinking like, how is this going to look if we're playing like these two gun-wielding assassins? But mm. it just, but then you realize, like, you know, you can do any film you fucking want as long as it's as, as long as it's good. As long as it's good, it has good writing, good acting, good screenplay all around. If it's good, it's good. Just deal with it, you yeah. know. Just go with it. I like that. Um, let me ask you this because I I definitely want to delve into this and I want to hear your thoughts as somebody that is on you know a filmmaker, writer, actor. All those above, you know, like because you have been doing that and you have that, and that's your current, you know, a resume on top of it. Um, what is your your status as a, as a filmmaker, a writer, in in the current climate in Iceland's, you know, Iceland's um studios, whereas here in the states in Hollywood is on a on a rampant strike because of the turns of use of you know likeness and 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 uh, and the use of AI and all that stuff. Like, what's your stance, Pika? Because I feel like maybe they're not the same. Like the way you talk to me about doing movies in Iceland, I feel like it's it doesn't even compare or touch to what's happening in America and Hollywood. Uh- 
<clears throat> you know, the, the writer strike was a whole thing, but uh, the, I'd say here in Iceland, it, the, you know, it's a whole different spectrum really, because, you mm. know, when you look at, when you look at LA and Hollywood and stuff like that, they have like director skills and they have screen actor skills and screenwriter skills. We don't have that. So, but we, we do have a film school and then there are people who, you know, go to film school and some people who don't go to film school. Uh, but in order to get like funding and stuff like that for your film, everyone has to go through the uh, same process. Mm. So you have to, you have to apply like, like you can always just grab your camera and shoot a film. Yeah. So, but to get like funding and grants and stuff like that, whether you went to film school or whether you didn't go to film school, you pretty much always have to do go through the uh, same process of, you know, applying and sh uh, just uh, showing the the board, quote unquote, like the movie you want to write or mm -hmm. the TV show you want to write or if you have a draft of it or. Stuff, uh, and it's an arduous it's an arduous process like i have a i have a really i have a good friend who's a film director here in iceland as well and he said like because he he's applied for many many different projects and like he hates doing it because it, it's so it's such a long and arduous process and it, you have to do so many things like you have to send in so many like written files like you know what you, what your film's about and like the production cost and do, and if you have a draft of the script you're writing and then you and stuff a whole it's a it's a whole process and and the reason why it's so like long and precise is like if uh, he said like yeah if it if this thing was easy everyone would do it so, 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 uh, and it also just takes a while to get a response. So you like, you do a whole thing and then you wait for a month or two to get a response from them. And, and that, then it becomes a whole conversation. So basically like whatever happens over there in Hollywood does not affect you guys in, in your own studios in Iceland or does, or no, gives them a, a little bit of it. Like. No, it, no, that, that thing like didn't affect us at all, as, as far as I'm aware. Mm. If it if it had happened like like last year, maybe really or or, or the year before, because they were shooting this film called uh, Operation Napoleon. That that was the uh, that was the English title for the film. It was adapted from this book an Icelandic author wrote, and they we and we had. An actor from Hollywood. We had Ian Glenn was in it. Whoa, okay. So I, I, I'm thinking like because he probably has a Screen Actors Guild card. So if if the strike had gone on, gone last year, maybe that would have had an effect because he was part of the production. So, gotcha. but I, I don't know because I wasn't part of the production. But, right, I, but right. a good friend of mine was. But a good friend of mine was in in the production of that film and. Apparently, it was a lot of fun. Oh, well, that's good to hear. So, Except for, like, his first day ever on set was <laughs> my uh, my friend's first day ever on set as a... I think he was an assistant camera operator, and they had to go all the way to the one of the snowy mountains in Iceland. <laughs> and that was his first day on set ever. Uh, it was a snowy day for him, huh? Yeah, yeah. He he was like he was freezing his ass off. So, <laughs> so 
So that was an experience. Oh, that was uh, well. That's fun. Hey, welcome, welcome to production, huh? Emotional. Yeah. Raider sign, or in this case, snore winding. You still got to show up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. Um, that's actually that's good to hear that you know whatever happens to you to Hollywood does not necessarily will affect anywhere else outside of the Hollywood unless. Like you say, like unless there's somebody who actually has that uh, that that card of, from the union to like do some outside productions of Hollywood and may affect, then that's the only time. Other than that, nothing affects you guys. That's actually good because and it's good because that way, I guess, like in a way, like you don't have to necessarily have to be involved with Hollywood if you ever want to do a film or TV show or whatnot. You get, you guys just run it by yourself and call it a day. That's it. We don't need you guys. We can yeah. just do it, handle it ourselves. Yeah, pretty much. That's actually pretty good to hear. So, well, I want to ask you like those little pointy questions, but it's not that pointy. But, and, you know, I want to hear your perspective as a filmmaker, writer and actor. Like, like what what are your, your own personal opinion to to what's happening in the situation in, of Hollywood? Do you think by and I'm just spitballing here and you think whatever's happening in Hollywood could potentially affect other places as well. well like the strike thing and stuff like that. Well, not more necessarily the strike because strikes is basically just um, the people trying to like, yo, like give us a fair shot at this. And, and, and mind you, the whole reason why the writer's strike happened, it was because um, the writers were not getting paid for every movie that's been streaming. So they're only yeah. getting paid for the work they did. And usually writers and whoever is part of the production companies of set film or set TV, they get a cut. Royalties or um, what's the other word? Uh, it's not royalties. Royalties usually for music. That's the only one I can face of. Um, like re revenue or something? So, uh, it's, another, it's another word. Like, you know, when you, I guess, revenue checks? Like, oh, fuck. I can't believe I forgot. And I know I had it. I had it. It's like what um, when you get a, a percentage for every time they play a movie that you were part of and they give you a, like a little check saying, hey, here's a hundred dollars of this check. Um, hmm. it has to, maybe it was it's revenue. Maybe. I, I don't remember. Yeah, or, or royalty or something. Yeah, right. It, it, I, I'll associate all everything with royalty because that's the best explanation I could give I could give anybody to everything. It's it's royalty jets, you know. The reason so writers were only getting paid for what they for what the work they did, and then you get royalties for every time they for some for every time somebody purchased the film or watches on cable that you get a check out of it. Yeah. The problem was is that these movies at sex or streaming and we're obviously we're living in a whole new world where everything is streamable the thing is is like those those streams are also are considered to be money as money revenues as well because you get a percentage problem is that the studios were not spreading those we're not spreading those to yeah. to anybody who worked on the production the studio was actually getting themselves the money to themselves So that's why, yeah. you know, the writer's strike happened because of that. And and also actors were involved with it because actors are noticing that studio sets are now like gotten themselves into AI. And now, you know, AI, they, they want to take 
like studios want to keep your likeness. Do you know what that term likeness means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they want to keep their the likeness. So it's like let's say like I talked about this with uh with my friend of mine, Mike Phoenix Hero. Shout out to him. That you know, if, if let's just say that in, in a whole movie, Tony Stark, the actor um Robert Downey Jr. decided like, hey, I want to be, I want to finish. I'm done with Iron Man. Like I love Iron Man, but I'm finished. And movies are like, okay, cool, no problem. You're done. We're gonna take your image and we're gonna put it for more many more Marvel movies, and then we'll still have Iron Man even without you. Even you don't have to act. No, no, we're just taking your image and we'll put it on an yeah. AI and generate it and have the voice and everything. That's that was scary to me when AI got way very introduced this year with that whole concept. That was very scary because listen, I don't know how many times I would say this, but have we all seen Terminator at this point? <laughs> Do we yeah, yeah. not know what this could potentially happen? <laughs> Call me crazy, but Jesus. We've seen this before. Skynet. Hello. Emotional. Like, sure, we're talking about this in the early stages, but they do learn. They do learn. And the yeah. and, and the film and the film studios, they just want to everything generated by AI, whether it's writing or acting itself. And that could potentially lose lose any potential actors. Like, just say that uh, an extra, let's say an extra, it has the talent and it can be the next MVP MVP of the or whatever. And they work for one day only on a on a scene. They get paid a hundred dollars. That's it. It's like you don't mean no, no, no. We already film you. We can just replicate you on another on another scene on another movie and whatnot because we just purchased your likeness yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it's crazy so i was i just want to hear your thoughts be behind that aspect of you know writer of the writers and on the actors striking yeah i mean i totally i totally get the reason because like there was a i saw this uh clip from i think it was from some disney production of of late where the oh where yeah like the uh, where the cast, the background characters were just like CGI images. Yes. And I just think it's, I just think it's disgusting. Yeah. And, and also just the thing about you just, you know, just pay your writers, man. It's like, who's it hurting? Oh, well, apparently the CEOs who make billions of dollars every year, it's, that's hurting their pockets, apparently. Which, which is, which is like, uh, the recent update that I saw recently is that, you know, thank God that the writers have made their peace and they make negotiations. So writers going to get paid for what they deserve for every time they stream and whatnot. So that's good. And the actors, they're still waiting. And based on what I've seen, is usually, it's not a lot that they're asking. They're just saying like, you can't use our, our, AI, our likeness to whatever you want to please and call it a day. And the studio sets are like, nah, nah, we want to use it. They're actually being a little bit greedy, which is kind of funny because yeah. like, dude, you're not only you're showing your cards of how greedy you guys are and making you guys look bad in front of your company, but also it kind of sounds like you guys are desperate. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's just such a weird situation to be in life because acting is such a it's such it's such a difficult craft like mm. which is why i i don't tend to do a lot of acting because i don't always find it fun 
Okay. Um, and and I I really admire people who genuinely seek out to be actors and people who love acting mm-hmm. and stuff like that because like <laughs> like even when I do my own short films I don't like to do a lot of takes but then there are other people who like to shoot a lot of coverage and I do a million takes right. and then you have like and then you have actors like doing the same scenes for like hours on end and it's such a it's such a grueling thing and so for this whole thing for someone to like catch your uh, use your likeness i just i just think it's like i just think it's ugly because mm-hmm. you can you can never you can never capture the subtleties of of human emotion like yeah like someone can, like someone can do with their face and there are some actors who just who do so much with their face mm-hmm. that you could never like replicate that. Like I was discussing with a friend of mine, we were talking about like Mark Hamill, which who's always been a phenomenal, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Actor. I said like, and I just said like, he can do more with the facial expressions. Yeah, he can do no. Uh, he can he can say more like with his face than many other actors can do with words. Mm. So, and also we've seen in films uh, of recent years where they try to do like CGI uh, de-aging and, you know, it, it just never comes out right. Whether it's like, sometimes it can look like really good, but then when it starts talking, it's, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, anything yeah that kind of reminds me of two shows that i've seen that they use like cgi just so so it can be shown there um cgi uh, uh the goldbergs one of the actors the abc fired that actor and he was like one of the main protagonists because that had that guy has been like um all season since the very beginning they fire him for i don't i don't quite remember what it was but his characters was still alive and he was and was still around before the last season that they killed him. But they had to use CGI twice to so they can show his character for iconic scene and it looked very fake. It looked very unreal. Didn't look right. Yeah. And the other one was um if you watch the Disney Plus series, uh like the Star Wars series, like Ahsoka and uh of the Mandalorian and you know when you saw the scene for look I mean Mark Campbell's character looked Skywalker and it looked de-aging it, it kind yeah. of freaked me out a little bit because I was like like okay it looks good I guess maybe I don't know and then Anakin Skywalker's de-aging factor as <laughs> well that, that was that, I'm pretty sure they did it right with Anakin I hear a lot of people screaming and complaining about it. I don't know. I felt that it, it looked pretty good to me, but I feel like they did it right because obviously he's dead. So they're using it as a, with holographic visual effects on top of it and stuff that can, that can hide the aging factor, you know, but it's still, it's still the, the whole de-aging process. It still looks kind of weird. Too. It's uh, yeah. Even, uh, even and also just, uh, and also just the thing I, I had this discussion with uh, with my friend who ha- had this like really great observation about the de-aging thing and CGI doubles 
is that it it never looks the same to any two people for some reason mm. because I just just because how the human brain and the human eyes work it's never going to look the same to any two people like some people like really love the CGI double for Grandma Tarkin in Rogue One because they think it just looks photorealistic. Oh, but then yeah. It, then, then you, you know, like ask two people what they think of it. One of them will say like, yeah, it looks good. And, and the other one will say like, it looks like claymation. So I, that's why it, that's why it n- never comes out right. Because, you know, in, like in the latest Indiana Jones film, they de-aged Harrison Ford. And I thought it looked really good. But, to my friend, it looked awful. Mm. So, because it just the the human eye just renders things a, a bit differently. Like we're we pick up these details that yeah, uh, and also the thing with eyesight. And, <laughs> I guess I don't know. I I I'm, I don't I don't look very much through the people's eyes. I guess, um, but it's just the whole yeah. feature itself. It was like mm, I don't know if this is gonna be a thing. For the later contact, I hope it doesn't. Like we don't like we don't have to continue to rely on the aging, adding CGAs and effects work for it to work. And I hope like, you know, we don't get to see more atrocities like that Disney show that you mentioned. I saw the clip as well, and that was just like hot garbage that scene. That was like, I can't believe that they allowed that they that they say it's okay, we can do it. Like, how in your bright mind thought that this is okay and nobody's going to notice and nobody's going to complain about them. I mean, this is exactly what actors are complaining about, you know? Yeah, exactly. It just, it, it looked awful. That's just, it, that's yeah. just the main takeaway from this. Yeah. I mean, but moral and thoughts for this little topic. Um it's it, right in this episode. They still haven't reached an agreement with the actors, uh, CEOs, studio sets. You guys need to pay your actors. I mean, pay your actors for your yeah. streaming service. Like, or I get, I get that some of them are like, you know, complaining about the and the in the sense of like, yo, like we're paying the actors millions of dollars for them to star on this amazing movie. Like, what more else do you want for us? I get it. They get a lot of money, but at the same time, it's not fair for you guys to use their likeness and have it exclusively to your likeness. Because imagine, imagine like, you know, you did uh, a Disney movie and then they did your likeness with Disney, right? And then you tried, and then Universal tells you, yo, we want you for this movie, man. And we believe you're perfect and we'll pay you a quarter and everything. Oh, shoot. Right. No, you can't. Because Disney owns your likeness. Yeah. Now you cannot shoot that opportunity that it's like, oh my God, it's a good movie. I want to be here. Now you can. Now you're stuck to do Disney films. Whatever Disney produced it, now you're stuck with then. And and also, a step further, like if you just like want to wanna take a break with acting and decided to like do commercials, like do a, yeah. do a Speedos commercial or a Doritos commercial or whatever commercial or even be the face of a of a brand you know like oh nike supports this guy you know so your face is uh, behind nike or 
I can, I mean, I can go on, on, on with, you know, with advertising and the marketing or even fashion as, as well as fashion. You can't be the face of all of them because Disney took away your likeness, like your image is owned by Disney and it has to go through Disney first. And then if Disney allows you to do this, Disney needs to get a cut from it. Yeah. It's kind of messy. Like, again, guys, I'm using Disney as an example. It's not like... <laughs> I don't want to I want to put that out there because it's like because I don't need people to be like, oh, I hate Disney. How dare they to do this? It's like, no, it's not just Disney. All studios are like this, but I'm using Disney as the example. Yeah. And I'm also just for like for my two thought, like for my two thoughts here would be, I guess, I think it's just a really creepy notion of someone owning your image. Like, yeah, like if, if they're going to do that, at least put it in someone's contract or something. Yeah. Just, Allow them to have the option, like, hey, uh, like, if you have to do some sort of reshoots, and I'm on the other fucking side of the country, sure, you can, you can just use my likeness for a scene or two. But like, with everything, you just have to see how far stuff will go. Like, mm -hmm. imagine, like, imagine you're an actor and you sign off a contract, like, you sign up with a studio, like, that you're gonna do five films with them and then you shot two or something and in that contract they would like have your likeness or your image and then like imagine then going to see a film and all and all of a sudden see that you're in it yeah. hold up and you didn't even know minute. you were in it something right yeah like like if it if it actually goes that far like i think i would just freak the fuck out and I think that's exactly what the actors and the union was trying to push back. They were trying to like, yeah. we don't want that to happen. We don't want it to go to that point of no return in which like you're, you're signed up for five movies. You only did two and the other three. It was all, you know, no AI voice generated or CGI and whatnot. Like it's like, damn bro. Like, and you only, and I only got paid for two. Messy, 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 messy situation. You know, honestly. Yeah. I really hope. Yeah. yeah, I just said, yeah, it's just, it's a pretty disturbing notion. <laughs> and it's crazy how, how now AI has been infiltrated to, to those aspects, you know? It's like, holy yeah. crap. Like we've gone this far enough that now AI can be used for anything. Like writing down a script, writing down uh, an image, creating an image, creating a video, creating a completely new person and whatnot. It's like that's why that's why I said like it needs to be regulated. Like I don't mind use using AI if you use it for the good reasons, for the proper right way of doing this. But obviously, these people they just want to use it for the all wrong reasons. That's why I feel like the government itself and it doesn't have to be like our government it's any government needs to create a regulation of how to use ai so that way these excuse me so that way these studio sets or companies or corporations know okay it applies to all of us we can't be using ai the the same way we're using it we have to be careful we have to do it like this otherwise everybody's going to go rampant. And I feel like it's getting pushed right now for that reg regulation act. Like I heard that they're in the words of this act called the no fakes act. I, I only briefly read about it. I talked about it last week, uh, last episode, 
Um, but I feel like that ad itself is exactly what we need, a regulation for the use of AI and its likeness and whatnot. Because otherwise, we'll be having a lot of Robert Darnett Jr.'s voice generated on every other fucking movie or whatnot. And Robert Downey Jr. was not part of it. Yeah. It's crazy <laughs> the world that we're, we're living, man. It's crazy. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know we were this advanced. So. Yeah, no, just can you imagine if this whole thing would go that far that just we'd all just go back to stage acting just exclusively? I think I think that's like the perfect timing for stage actors to shine even more. Like yeah. people that are in Broadway and whatnot. I feel like that's the time where they're going to shine even more because now they're actually legitimate using real acting. Yeah. Not, nothing's being fake. Not, oh my God. Imagine we're seeing a movie and it's all stage acting. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Um, we're going to end that topic with that. You know, and also just like we hope for the best. Uh, let's move on to the next topic that I definitely want to talk to you because it, I feel like we haven't talked uh, in a, quite some time. And we need to catch up with all the cool stuff, um, the TCG aspect, you know, like the first thing you yeah. tell me, um, you're like the Vanguard champion of Iceland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we had our first ever. No, no, I, I'm just going to say it. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was, we had our first ever locals in Iceland for a card fight Vanguard. And, and yeah, I, w I wound up on top. It, it was, it was pretty fun. And, and it was also the desired outcome, but it was also just, it was still just like a test tournament just to see if we could like host our own tournament and hopefully, uh, and we're, we're going to do it again. And we're going to do this whole thing where we're gonna, also going to have like loner decks because there's this, mm. uh, there's this, there's this store in Iceland, which it's, it's dedicated to like the Pokemon TCG. Oh, and, and they, have their own locals in Pokemon and they mm. always like they announce when they're going to have a tournament and they have loner decks for people who like would like to try out or just want to play and they don't have the they don't have a deck or they don't have the most expensive cards or whatever and they have loner decks so you can still take part so we're going to do that for the next one that's actually pretty cool like it is Vanguard actually that big over there in Iceland no, it's really not that big because the the biggest like we have we have Nexus, which is you know the the comic book comic book nerd geek memorabilia store mm. in uh, Iceland, and they sell a lot of TCG. They sell Yu-Gi-Oh, they sell Pokemon and One Piece and Digimon, but they do not sell Cardfight Vanguard. Oh God! So any player in Iceland who actually plays, they just, you know, do their own shopping for it. Damn, so typically they'll just, like, whatever cards they want to get, they'll have to, like, order online and get it shipped? Uh, that's how I've bought all of my cards. Holy so. crap, that's crazy. Yeah, but we we are thinking about going to this one card shop here, and we're going to try to get them to start implementing Vanguard in it because we, we want to create a big community with this, because like everyone I know who plays Cardfight Vanguard loves to play Cardfight Vanguard, and we, we want it to be a bigger community, because like 
they have Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments like every Friday mm. here in Reykjavik, and then they have like they have Pokemon tournaments and they have Magic tournaments. They also did like a, no, not and also like Flesh and Blood, and they also play Digimon and stuff like that. But we really wanna like expand the card side Vanguard player base because I still think it's the most fun trading card game ever. Mm. No, aside, aside from like classic Yu-Gi-Oh, like Go for my Edison for my right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I still think Yu-Gi-Oh peaked in Edison. So, <laughs> yeah, I think like the synchro era of Yu-Gi-Oh was probably arguably probably one of the best mechanics of all Yu-Gi-Oh, and I feel like that yeah. was the last time Yu-Gi-Oh felt balanced and health. Yeah, and also just. It just felt fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole synchro thing was good. I think when it, they implemented Etsy's, probably it got a little bit too much. Because Yeah. Like, I I agree with you with that. that we had a conversation last time we talked about, you know, how how Go format was basically like you got the biggest uh, bit stick, like, you know, a, a monster with 1900 attack power and you know, next turn you'll just sacrifice it to something bigger, and you got Jinso, and that's it. Like it wasn't; it, it was all one, two, three card combo in one turn. That's it, and and you set pass, set pass, set pass until it begins twenty turns. And and when you say in Edison format, and during that era of synchro, you said it like Konami did the right thing by implementing like certain cards that are now you have to play level twos level one cards, level three cards, because you need them to synchronize to get bigger, like the reward itself becomes a bigger thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once it enters at seas, it's like, oh, I can still come back again to having level fours. Like yeah. you just slap any level four, it doesn't matter, Etsy summon. And then Pendulum was just a broken thing that should have never happened. No, it's like, no, that was the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of the end. That was a big like Bendelins was just like nah bro. And then Link Summoning. I have to say Link Summoning is cool, but I don't think that's fair either because they use the mechanic itself to you can use anything on your field and then you can build up an entire thing. And I think it's because yeah, the Link yeah. Summoning itself gives you like, oh, if you Link Summon and then this effect goes off and then this effect goes off and then you got Five monsters on the board now. Bruh. You're like, what the hell? Nani? All because yeah, of that like, one link summon? Yeah, yeah. I I don't really like the the whole aspect of that because synchros were just such a such a fresh new thing. And it like it made you have to construct your deck in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then when they made XPs, it was just like, hey, here's synchros, but easier. Just <laughs> now you can have like now you can just go back to having a dedicated level four deck. Yeah, and just and also looking back, like with modern card design, like remember in early synchros when a level four tuner had like huge backdraws. Yeah, like a level four tuner was busted, but now like you, but it it had to have like this huge backdrop. Like Hypersynchron was a level four tuner, but if you but if you used it to synchro summon, the synchro monster would be banished at the end of the turn. Right. 
But now level four tuners are just they're way too good. Like not only do they have like broken effects that summon other monsters to make the synchro summon easier, but they're also just level four tuners, which it's just I, I like the I like the old older aspect of it where like if if a card was a level four tuner, it you it had to come with a price. Yeah, it feels like right now there's not that big of a price just having a level four tuner. In fact, it just extends your combo, your game state even further. It's like, damn, bro. That's why like they say when when there's a level four tuner gets revealed, it's like, oh, it has to be broken. It has to be yeah. broken because it's like you can it can do so much with that for having a level four tuner. I mean, li- literally, having a level four tuner, you can literally sync off with anything. And now with that's yeah. their now we're, now they're coming with synchro monsters that doesn't necessarily require for you to have a tuner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's broken as uh, as it is. The yeah, fact, also the fact that you don't need a tuner. But it's okay to have two tuners and you can synchro off, or, yeah. or or we can make one of these cards into a tuner and then synchro off. And it's like, yo, yeah. And I also just don't like uh, the fact that with like XCs was just simplified synchro, and then links came out, and it was just XCs and synchro simplified again because now you just need two monsters or three monsters or. Yeah, and what I don't like about that is the the added aspect of recovery. Like when you were mm. playing in like Edison, when you're playing a synchro deck, like you have to keep the numbers and levels and stuff like that in mind. So like if you fuck up, it yep. was just like ah shit, I should have gone for the level six synchro because that would have gotten me over there. Yep, and yep. and maybe you're just stuck with a with a with a decent board, but you were just like, now you're left with maybe a synchro monster and a tuner monster that just isn't going to do the trick. And you're just like, oh, 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 I see where I went wrong. Yeah. But now it was just like, okay, I fucked up the synchro combo, but I can still go for the link play. So it's just, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, no, it's getting, it's getting out of hand. Like, I mean, I'm still, I'm still playing it. I love it, and sometimes I hate it because I don't know. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh is one of those things that you love and hate. Yeah, yeah. You have a Yu-Gi-Oh is probably the card that the trading card game version of a really toxic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, it's so funny. Why don't you just why don't you just leave him? Because I love him. <laughs> <laughs> don't you see? I love him. Yes. I can change him. I can change yeah. him. Yeah, I can fix it. I, I can, can fix it. Emotional, <laughs> damn it. See, that's why um doing doing tier lament format, which is what known as tier zero format, which yeah. I've never experienced a tier zero format. And when I did, it was the most horrible thing wow. I've ever experienced. That it got me to the point like I was thinking of quitting Yu-Gi-Oh! overall. And yeah. it, and it uh, made me jump to play Digimon for a bit. Yeah. I think that was one of the reasons I actually started playing Card Fight Vanguard because I I pretty much stopped playing Yu-Gi-Oh! aside from when we go to like we play 
like we have code format decks and I also have cube, which is just a draft format, right. which uh, a friend of mine created. And, uh, and, and I also have like, uh, I, I did sell a lot of my collection, but the thing I kept was just the, uh, the character decks that I've made because that, that I just think that's really fun. Like when you play like, because I have character decks from original and GX and five D's yeah, and some, and some Zayo. And I just think that's, I, I just think that's the most fun way to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And also I, I, I also have character decks from like the new movie. Like I have a Yugi deck from the movie and Kaiba's deck and Aigami's deck. So uh, it's just really fun. And it just, I, I just feel better playing those. I don't like if, if, if anyone enjoyed playing Yu-Gi-Oh! like it is today, like good for you. I'm not gonna... Like I'm not gonna shit on you for liking Yu-Gi-Oh like it is today, right. but that's not. But Yu-Gi-Oh, how it's played today, is not the game that I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the game I like to play. Yeah, having a only one turn combos have a state, and then I'm, when it's on your next turn, you basically can't play through. You don't even yeah. have a fighting also- chance. Like the, if you do have a fighting chance. It's like, it's slim to none and you'll be like barely scraping off. Yeah, I can agree with having, like everything's on a dice roll. Like if you win the dice roll and you have the fighting, you have the right cards, you draw them out, then you have the chance to win. That's, yeah, yeah it's it's not as good as it was when it became that Edison format in which, I guess that's exactly why everybody loves Edison format and they like to play the Edison format on all the locals because it's it's uh it, it was it's back to where Yu-Gi-Oh was much more healthy and balanced per se at least you know because obviously you're always going to have a broken number 1 deck but at least that yeah, yeah, yeah. that number 1 deck is not always like the top deck you know like you like No nah, yeah uh- yeah, I agree because every format has had its problems, but it just it didn't feel like as frequent. Like you would hear like um, when you were playing in Edison format and Synchro era and stuff, you would hear like and and also Xyz, you would hear about like dragon rulers and stuff like that. But you wouldn't like if you wound up against playing against dragon rulers, you pretty much knew what you were up against. But like every deck is pretty much constructed the same today. It was just. Uh, it's just like here's your here's your starter and here's your extender and this is your preferred normal summon and this yeah. is the spe- and this is the combo enabler and this and you want to summon this before you summon this and search this and and I just like I don't want to be doing all this mental math because because like, that's in, what it is a mental math yeah and like in synchros I what I liked the most about it was working with whatever you had like you would have. Like, ah, if I can draw a level three, I can go here. But if I draw a level two, or like if I draw like Monster Reborn at this point. But I just, one of my favorite memories playing Yu Gi Oh! ever was when I had the Yusei Furo moment, just that, well, like where I could see like the combo line. Yeah. And it was just, uh, it was the most insane thing I've ever done in Yu Gi Oh! And it, never could it, it could never happen in a game today mm. because i was playing against uh, one of my best friends 
and he had like control of the board but it was just like it, it's your classic like 5d setup he had like red dragon archfiend and he had right. a, a pierce uh, he he had another monster on the field and he had like two face downs or whatever and i had just been sitting on back row that i couldn't use and then i i drew for my turn and i was just like i said like i have to take a huge fucking gamble here mm. because i had to get I had to get Stardust Dragon out. Right. And I just couldn't with the resources I had. But I did have, like, I had Urgent Tuning and I had, uh, I don't remember what the trap card is called, but it, it, I think it's called Synchro Material, where you can use your opponent's monster for a Synchro Sun. And also I had, like, Call for Haunted or stuff like that. So, what? No, I didn't have Call of Haunted. I just remember what I had now. But, I needed a level six monster, but the thing is, I didn't have a level six monster. So I wound up uh, synchro summoning like Formula Synchron, the level two synchro right. tuner. Yeah, and drew a card. And I pretty much because because of the board my my opponent had, he had two monsters and I had two monsters. And I thought like I and I knew he ran a level six synchro, and I just like I need him to get the level six synchro out. And I was just like. Wait, how do I do that? And I was just like, if I summon a third monster, he's probably going to summon, he's going to want to make his board like bigger as well. And so I, so I thought, I, I legit thought, okay, I'm just going to go for formula synchro. That means I'll just have one monster, which will probably make him want to like synchro summon or something. Yeah. I, I don't know why I thought that, but I made formula synchro. I drew my card. I put our card face down and I had like three back rows. He draws for turn, he summons a tuner, he goes for the level 6 synchro. So now he has two synchro monsters. He has Red Dragon Archfiend and he has like Gaia Knight or something. Yeah. So I then flipped up uh, synchro material, used his uh, fucking level 6 guy, synchro summon Stardust Dragon, using his monster. So he just, he goes like, ah, fuck, how did you do that? And <laughs> how did you know? And then he just, he goes to swing with uh, Red Dragon Archfiend. And I then flip up fucking Assault Mode Activate, going into Stardust Dragon Assault Mode. Oh my god. And yeah, so so that was pretty amazing. And <clears throat> uh, But it was just this whole thing, like, when I think back to it, I was just like, this could never happen in the game today. This was, like, the biggest gamble, and it paid off. Yeah, the risk factor in today can potentially hurt you like i yeah i get in back in the day your gambling is looking at a 50 50 odds you know now it's yeah. more of a 90 10 like you have a yeah a one percent chance that this could work and it, yeah and, and also and if it you doesn't can't it just really, hurts you yeah and also you can't really bluff your way out of situations anymore like no one's playing around mirror force or anything like you can't just set one card and just Say like, okay, attack for game, and, yeah. and then they're gonna like do something else, and and also like when gores was a thing, and so, where you had, I think my biggest pet peeve in Yu-Gi-Oh, I don't know why this is, uh, I think this is one of the reasons I like Cardfight Vanguard a lot more. I hate the attacking aspect of Yu-Gi-Oh because like uh, they just say, okay, I swing with it. Yeah, he just they do the math on board and they're just okay. So I attack for eighty three hundred, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Sequence your attacks. 
Yes. Yes. I might important. have something. Yes. Like, I, th this is one of my biggest pet peeves. And, and people say, like, ah, but it never happens in Yu Gi Oh! today. I'm like, I don't care. Sequence your attacks. I agree. So, I agree. I I do the same thing as well. It's like, yo, sequence your attacks. I will sequence mine. I'll go, this one, 16. Okay. This one, 15. Okay. 3,000. Oh, you got something. Okay, cool. Yeah. 3,000. And then I'll take you with the 2,000, whatever. Like, yeah. I have to. And I have to tell them as well as I sequence it because you don't know if I have something or not. And if I have yeah, a response, also, it's like, yeah, and also, like, if you have a response and they just go, like, 80, they just go, okay, I'll, I'm attacking for 8,300. And I say, no, no, sequence. Now they know I have something. Exactly, because, yeah. Because you can't do that, like, in, like, when you're playing Master Duel or or uh, the other the other thing. You have to attack one at a time, like in the real fucking game. Exactly. So, just for my benefit, se sequence. <laughs> it's not that hard. Just say who you're going to attack with first. Yeah, exactly. So, that that's one aspect of the of the game. Uh, uh, well, I think it's just I think people are just so used to like they're gonna wipe the board and they're just gonna attack the game. And as soon as someone says no, no, I might have something now, like now you have info because you're not playing correctly, and I hate it. Yeah, bro. That 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 just like does a does a a big disservice to the game set itself and the integrity of the game. It's it a. I I remember like not too long ago, I had to argue with somebody on local. This is locals, by the way. But most of the time, locals, I really don't care. Like how how we ever play right now. But this one, I I cared a lot because a, the guy showed up like five minutes late after the finish mm -hmm. started, and he didn't get a automatic loss because he technically showed on time and slapped his fins and the board. So it's like all right, whatever. He was playing a weird deck, Etlich Runic. A weird deck. It was weird. I was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh, I'm just friendly with everybody. It doesn't matter who. I'm friendly. Uh, he got game one. I I got game two. I was siding, so I know I'm going to get game two because I was turn first. And when, when he was siding, he was actually taking out cards and putting it on sleeves. I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, dude, you can't do that. You know you can't do that. That's you could get the cube, but, but I was like, okay, whatever, keep going, do do your thing. Game two, I got it. He didn't have any response. Like then on game three, this is the part that that I had to a call for a judge because I was just like not gonna have it. So I know what he was playing, Runic Eldritch, whatever. So his first hand was basically. Oh wait, did I? I don't remember. Now I'm missing out. I know game three. I think game three. He gave me the first turn. And I was like, fuck, fuck. All right. So I said it past because I was siding for 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 whatnot. Then he draws. He has six cards. He literally sets all five cards. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. Then he has one card in his hand. But the problem was that I was having with him that I called him out is that he put his one card on top of the extra deck. And on top of the extra deck is the feel some spell, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So normally, if you're not going to hold your one card, you'll have it in your hand or you'll put it in yeah. underneath the set five on the placemat, playmat, however you want it. Standard. I As soon as I'm about to draw, uh, okay, I asked him, hey, excuse me, is that a feel spell that you just said? And he goes, what do you think? <laughs> 
I'm like, I don't know. I'm asking you, is that a field spot? It's like, you know, I've been running. Uh, you know what type of deck I'm playing. So why are you asking me that? Like, like for the sake of the game state, I need to know what you're playing. Is that a set card or is that your hand? It's like, uh, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I'm like, I'm not going to ask you anything. You just... Tell me whether that's a set card or is that your hand. I need to know because the way he positioned it was very weird. I got, yeah, I got geez, so answer the question, man. Yeah, and and you have to ask, you have to answer whether how stupid yeah. it sounds or not. You have to answer because it's ha it's a public information that you have to ask her. Same thing as like how many cards, how many cards you have in your hand. Oh, I got four. Okay, cool. Thank you for letting me know. You only have four cards in your hand. How many cards do you have in your deck left? Uh, 20. All right, then you got 20. Thank you for the information. It's the same thing. He didn't want to He didn't want to answer. It was going back and forth. I was just like, duh, I'm fed up. I called the judge. Judge gave him the DQ because I told yeah. him not only that he didn't want to give it, tell me what he was uh, setting, but he was also changing, uh, siding cards with changing the sleeves. Yeah. He didn't have sleeves for his side deck and you can't have that. Oh my God, the guy was just ready to fight me. And he was just like, oh, well, what do you think? Like, uh, if you knew where I was playing, like, it's like, I don't know what you're playing. You could cite some cards that I didn't know that you could activate. The f how, how would I know? I don't know all your cards. I don't know basically all you're playing. Oh my God, it was such a, it, it, it just, it got me so heated. That's like, I'm not returning back to, to this, to this yeah. locals. We can face, there are going to be people like him like that. Like, mm, mm, mm. No way, bro. I will stick to my regular yeah. locals that I that I love to enjoy. I want to enjoy the game. I don't want to argue with somebody because of a stupidity that they can't even answer. Nah, it's just in a monster zone. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then someone would like hit them with an MST, and they they and they pop a monster in the background. And I said, like, hey, you're cheating. <laughs> See, you see what I mean? Like, Edison format, I feel like it's one of the heaviest formats, or at least yeah. the most balanced format in all Yu-Gi-Oh! history. Before it went a little bit too chaotic, and now, and now it's like it's gotten even crazier because you know now they come instead of like fixing some of the problems, the way they fix it is like whether it's bandless or creating more broken cards, so it becomes like. You're not fixing it. You're just pulling under the rug, putting a band-aid and call it a day and just creating more broken cards. Like, let's, you continue to do stuff like that. It's just never going to balance the game state itself. It's never going to be any healthier at all. And that's why, no. like, that's why playing Digimon, it feels good because I, I guess at least at this point, Digimon hasn't gone to that format way of things. And that's also my pet peeve is like if we eliminate hand traps overall, would the would the game set of Yu-Gi-Oh be better? No, uh, because I really don't think uh, removing the hand traps would do a whole lot today. Because you still have cards that do way too way too much, and mm. um, like hand traps became this like really necessary evil where it just works weird both ways. Like I. I tend to not like. I still like making Yu-Gi-Oh decks, but I tend to make them without hand traps. I just keep mm -hmm. the hand traps in the side deck because I really hate seeing a hand trap in my opening hand. Yeah, I do. I do too. On the first turn. And 
yeah, like someone goes to, <laughs> you see this all the time in like locals where they're, they're going to go first and they like open like Ash and Valor and, and Nibiru Imper, and, and and they're just fucked. And I was just like, yeah, don't like, don't construct your deck this way. Like if you run too many hand this is something that you're going to be doing, especially if you prefer going first. Mm-hmm. That's why when I, whenever I make a deck, I just, I just put the hand traps in the side deck. Like I don't side mm. deck really optimally, but that's just so I can just focus on the deck building. So like if I if I ever have to put like something in a yeah. in a main deck, I just put imper because like it's a trap. I want to see a trap in my opening right. hand maybe. But usually I just don't build the deck with hand traps in mind. I just put them off to the side, knowing like oh if I. If I'm up against this, I'll just side this in. So, yeah, I think I think right now the way I'm playing it, I think the certain decks that I'm playing, I'm only running no more than nine hand traps. In fact, there's times that I only have six hand traps, like free ash, free and perm, and I think that's pretty much it. Like if I'll add yeah. something, I'll probably put it on the side. Like it's now it's becoming much more rare of me putting hand traps. Obviously, I need to have Ash. Ash is like the must minimum on every deck. Yeah. Like, it's it's a universal hand trap that everybody has and, and it's good overall. And Emperor, Emperor has been very good. There, t- there are formats that Emperor does nothing, but in the current formats, it's doing pretty good. So, Ash and Emperor is like my go-to. Side deck, yeah, I'll, I'll put like whatever extras I want to put. And now that there's, um, now that I have Frost, like Frost, I could just search any one card spell or trap, normal spell or normal trap for it if if I get, you know, hand traps. So I was like, all right, that's it, it's beneficial. But yeah, having hand traps, I don't know. I still maybe maybe I'm going crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I just yeah. I've been playing this for a while. And it's making me explore other options. Um, have you even tried One Piece, by the way? Or no? Uh no no I ha- I haven't I ha- I haven't either. People are telling me like it's bonkers and whatnot. I haven't even got into it, but I, that's because I'm not that big of a One Piece fan at all. Like it's no, it's a I, I, it's a good I anime. I just yeah don't watch it overall. So I'm I don't know. Yeah no. Currently, I'm just gonna stick with Vanguard and uh, and you're only playing Yu-Gi-Oh if it's Edison format. That's it, right? Yeah, like character for, character decks, Goat, Edison, and Cube, so <laughs> which is like a draft format. But I uh, I started making this deck like last year just for fun because uh, my friend and I who who also plays we sometimes like to see if we can do some fun spins on some modern decks. But right. like I don't I don't really play it. Uh, but yeah, I I just play Yu-Gi-Oh casually now, and like if people want to play competitively, good for them. That's just I don't want to do it. That's good. <laughs> I'm, hey. I'm gonna... But we, <laughs> we need to schedule this for another time—a much more comfortable time for both of us that we can actually spend yeah. more hours and hours talking. Because every time I talk to, you, it's like it's always great, you know. Yeah, likewise, man. It was great hearing, great hearing from you again. Absolutely. And next time we can be much more personal. We can much more chill out about it and we can just like go on at the deep end, man. Um, yeah. 
Ali, thank you very much for coming for, for the show, man. I really appreciate it. I, I always want you to know that you're a very great friend of mine. You know, whenever you come to the States, you let me know, man. Oh, I will. <laughs> Absolutely. And guys, let me know in the thoughts down below. Let me know in the comments down below what are your thoughts about, you know, all the discussions that me and Ali were discussing. What do you guys think about the film industry and how it's like completely different from here in the States than it is in other countries? Let me know. What you guys think about the current TCG? If you guys want to check Ali on his Instagram and whatnot, I'll leave a comment down below so you guys can check that out in the description and follow him. And if you guys want to learn more about Vanguard, Car Fight Vanguard, let him know he's the champion. He's the champion of Iceland, man. Car, Car Vanguard is like, as you heard, it, it's not that big, but he's becoming, he's making sure that him and his homies are making it a fin in Iceland. So I wish you good luck for that, my man. Wish you good luck. Um, Yeah, guys, thank you very much for coming and tuning in. Remember, every week is a brand new episode with a brand new topic. So always remember to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at youtube.com slash AWGC podcast or AWGC podcast.com. Comment down below and let me your thoughts, share your experiences. If you guys got a specific topic that you want me or Ali to cover, please let us know in the comments below. Do our best to cover on the next episode. So, guys, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys in the next one. All right? Peace.